take your copy of God's Word this morning, please, and find your spot again in the book of 1 Peter. If you're a Christian, I want you to take a moment and think about your life, and I want you to ask yourself this question. Don't answer out loud, but answer in your own heart, in your own mind. If you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, ask yourself this question. With the exception of Sunday, is there any difference between your life and the life of a lost person. With the exception of Sunday, because here we are in church, we do spiritual things. With the exception of Sunday, is there any difference between your life and the life of a lost person? Think about the things that you do, the things that you watch and read, the Internet sites that you visit, the words that you say, the way you dress, the way you treat others, the music that you listen to, the places you go, the things you laugh at. Is there a marked difference between you as a follower of Jesus Christ and someone who does not even know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? And don't misunderstand me. I'm not talking about and advocating for self-righteousness today. The Bible says all of our righteousness, they are as but a filthy rag. What I am saying is this, beloved, there should be a difference in the life of a believer and an unbeliever. In fact, one of the ways that we know that we've been born again is there's been a change in our life. The Bible says, uh, old things are passed away, behold, all things have become new. In other words, holiness should matter to us. Holiness. We've been singing about holiness today. I don't know if you caught that or not. Holy, holy, holy. We are standing on holy ground. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Worship His holy name. We've been thinking about holiness today, but you know, holiness is not something we hear much about today, is it? It, it seems to be like kind of like an antique, a relic from yesteryear, something that our forefathers and, and uh, mothers spent time on, but you know, we're modern, we're advanced, we've progressed past that point. And beloved, that's the problem. We've not progressed past holiness, we've actually regressed away from holiness. I want to talk to you today about holiness. I want to talk to you today about being holy. But uh, what comes to your mind when you hear that word holy? What comes to your mind? Perhaps you think of God when you think of the word holy. And if you do, that's good. That's appropriate because He is holy. We sing about His holiness today. Uh, holy, holy, holy. That comes from Isaiah chapter 6 when he saw the vision of the Lord upon His throne and all of His glory. And so if you think about God, that's appropriate. That's good. But when it comes to holy people, what comes to your mind? I've noticed over the years that some strange ideas can come to people's minds, it seems, when you talk about a holy person. When you think of a holy person, maybe you think about a lady Maybe a very thin, pale lady in a long black dress from her neck to her ankles that looks very unhappy and very miserable. Or maybe you think about a man, maybe dressed in a suit and he has a long beard, maybe a long pointy beard, and he has almost an angry scowl upon his face. Maybe when you think about a holy person, you think of someone who is strange or someone who is weird. Or maybe you think about some revered saint from history or maybe a Bible character comes to mind. Or maybe you think about someone who's holy as someone who seems to have no fun in life. They just seem angry at everybody who does have fun in life. 
And they just sit around finding fault with everybody who's having fun because they are holy. Maybe you think of someone who spends all their time judging other people and evaluating other people and, and passing a sentence upon other people. All kinds of strange ideas come to mind when you talk about holiness when it comes to people. Maybe you think about a certain denomination or a certain church. But when you think about holiness, sometimes people get uncomfortable. The truth of the matter, beloved, is if we're believers, we've been called to be holy. We're not just saved so we can go to heaven one day. Praise the Lord, we are going to go to heaven one day. But that's not the sum total of our salvation. We are saved, beloved, so we can be holy here and now. So what is this whole idea about holiness? What does it mean to be holy? So before you grow out your beard or cancel your trip to Carowinds, let's talk about what it means to be holy. The root meaning of the word holy simply means, translate simply means, are you ready for this? It means different. Different. That's what it means. To be holy is to be different. I like what Stuart Briscoe said. He said to be holy is not to be stale or sterile, but, but rather to be refreshingly, distinctly different. Warren Wearsby said a holy person is not an odd person, but a different person. His life has a quality about it that's different. His present lifestyle is not only different from his past way of life, but is different from the lifestyles of unbelievers around him. And it appears strange to lost people. They look at a holy person in a strange way, but it should not be strange to other believers. So to be holy is to be different. But what do we know about that? Most people don't want to be different. They want to blend in. They want to go with the crowd. They want to run with the herd. They don't want to be different. But beloved, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you've been called to a life of holiness. You've been called to a different life. You've been made different in Christ. And we serve a holy God. And being holy, by the way, doesn't mean, it does not mean that you can never laugh or have a good time. I found it very interesting. I'll share just from my own personal testimony. Over the years, I've watched people who have struggled with the fact that I am a preacher and a pastor, and yet I do funny stuff. And they have a hard time reconciling in their mind how in the world... You can preach on a Sunday morning in a suit and tie and then become Ned Stilopinski on Sunday night. <laughs> in fact, I've even heard myself described by someone as a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And I, and I guess in their own minds, they have a hard time thinking about someone who serves in a holy office like a pastor having a good time and laughing and being silly I don't know what it is in their minds, but here's the way I look at it. Beloved, in all reality, Christians are the only ones who can truly laugh and have a good time. The best fun is clean fun. The lost are condemned and they're doomed and they're destined for hell. And their laughter only covers the pain and emptiness in their life for a very short time. As the choir just reminded us, People need the Lord. And so I have no problem whatsoever preaching on a Sunday morning 
and acting silly later on as a character having fun because it's not about not having a good time. It's about being different. It's about being distinct, set apart for the Lord Jesus Christ. And let me just invite you, by the way, I mentioned about the lost person. They just sing about it. If you're here today and you don't know for certain that you have the Lord, you can have that certainty today. Turn from your sin and place your faith in Jesus Christ. He'll forgive you. He'll cleanse you. He'll make you a child of God. He'll give you a home in heaven. He'll give you a peace. He'll give you a joy in your life. And I encourage you to trust Christ today. Now, Christians, we're called to be holy. But one of the major obstacles that we face in our world is the fact that we live in a dirty world. Have you noticed that? We live in a dirty world. In fact, I'm calling today's message clean living in a dirty world. Clean living in a dirty world. I don't have to elaborate on the fact that we live in a dirty world, do I? Do I have to convince anybody of that, that we live in a dirty world? Does this world help us love Jesus more? No. It does everything it can to pull us away from the Lord. We're surrounded, literally surrounded every day with vulgarity and crudity and nudity. Everywhere we turn, we're bombarded with these things. And if we're going to live a holy life, a different life, a separate life, that's not just going to happen. Um, nobody just kind of wanders into or kind of coast into holy living. Holiness is not going to be an accident in your life. There's going to have to be some intentionality about it. And we're going to have to cooperate with the Holy Spirit's working in our lives to bring about holiness. Now, so far, you're in 1 Peter 1, I hope by now. So far, we've been learning some wonderful truth, some wonderful doctrine. We've been learning about who we are in Jesus Christ and what we have in Jesus Christ. And we've sought to understand these doctrinal things and understand who we are and what we have and understand these precious truths. But now the belief that we have in our hearts and our minds, it has to translate into behavior. And Peter transitions here talking about the doctrine, the beliefs that we're to have into behavior. So I want you to look at what he has to say next in 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse 13. 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse 13, reading down through verse 21. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts, as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold, from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. 
clean living in a dirty world. How are we going to go about doing that? Living clean in a dirty world. Well, this passage helps us, beloved. And my outline today is very simple. In fact, I'm going to give it to you in just a moment. You can jot it down. But I hope you won't just jot it down and fall asleep. hope that you'll listen. And I've got to caution you about what I'm about to tell you. What I'm about to tell you cannot be accomplished in the power of your own flesh. It's not, it's not about you trying harder or working harder. We're going to have to depend upon the Holy Spirit who indwells us as believers to bring about the fruit of the Spirit in our life. We need Him to strengthen us and help us and direct us. And we've got to cooperate with His working in our life. But here's what I want to tell you. We do have a part to play. We do have a, heart, a part to play. We've got to use our minds and our bodies to grow in our holiness. You know, we're told to study the Word and to rightly divide the Word of truth and to partake of the Word. And we know the Holy Spirit has to be at work in our life for us to understand the Word and to be able to grow in the Word. But the reality is, have you found this to be true? If you're going to read your Bible and study your Bible, you're going to have to go with your body and get the Bible. And you're going to have to, with your body, open the Bible. And you are going to have to, with your mind and your faculties, begin to read the Bible. We do have a part to play. But what I'm cautioning about is this. Don't go out today saying, I'm going to do better in your own strength. No. We have to depend totally upon the Holy Spirit's working in our life. But we have a part to play. And so my outline of what we're going to study today focuses on our part. But don't forget God's part. The Holy Spirit working. And so my outline is very simple. When it comes to clean living in a dirty world, maybe you're ready to write it down. It's just basically two points. And it's simply this. Think right and act right. Y'all ready to pray and go home? No, 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 not yet. We've we got to talk about that a little bit. Think right. So let's think, about, let's think about thinking right for a little bit, all right? Look back at the opening verse, verse 13. And the Bible says what? It says, therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Well, I like the way that says like to walk in a classroom and just tell students that let's all gird up the loins of our mind. They'll be like, what's he talking about? Well, it's the idea of get ready to think. And have you found in our world one of the most challenging things to do today is what? To think. We don't want to think. We just want to mindlessly go about our lives. But he says, listen, I want you to gird up the loins of your mind. Get ready to think. Be sober, it says. Be self-controlled. Be disciplined in your thinking. Now, the first word in verse 13 is therefore. And so it points us back to all those things he's already mentioned. All those wonderful truths about who we are in Christ and what we have in Christ. And last time we talked about our glorious inheritance that's waiting for us. Our living hope. And then he says in verse 13, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. In other words, beloved, live with eternity in view. Live in the light of Christ's second coming. Remember your hope. Remember your confident expectation. Remember that Jesus is coming again to set all things right. And one of the ways, beloved, that we can live holy lives is to remember that Jesus is coming again. 
to remember that we have a living hope. In fact, that hope and holiness goes together. Did you know that? Look at 1 John 3, 3. It's on the screen in front of you. And everyone who has this hope in him, notice what it says, purifies himself just as he is pure. Our hope and our holiness go together. This world is not all there is. We're to be remembering that Jesus Christ is coming again. We're not living ultimately for the here and now. We're living for eternity. Gideon and I have been wearing out this song lately. It's a song called Only Jesus by a group called Casting Crowns. And it came to my mind as I was studying and thinking about, thinking about eternity and living with eternity in view. Now, if you haven't heard it, listen to the words. It says, make it count. Leave a mark. Make a name for yourself. Dream your dreams. Chase your heart. Above all else, make a name the world remembers. But all an empty world can sell is empty dreams. I got lost in the lie that it was up to me to make a name the world remembers. But Jesus is the only name to remember. It goes on to say all the kingdoms built, all the trophies won, will crumble into dust when it's said and done. Because all that really matters, did I live the truth to the ones I love? Was my life the proof that there is only one whose name will last forever? And the chorus goes, and I, I don't want to leave a legacy. I don't care if they remember me. Only Jesus. And I, I've only got one life to live. I'll let every second point to Him. Only Jesus. And beloved, we've got to understand that in life, this life is not about us. It's not about me. It's not about trophies. It's not about kingdoms. It's not about promotion and position and fame and glory. This life is all about Jesus. We're to make much of Jesus and to glorify Jesus. And our life truly counts when we make much of Jesus. And here's what it is. People are looking for meaning and satisfaction and, and joy and all these things and they come up empty because, beloved, true joy is found in Jesus. And what you're looking for is found in Jesus. And this eternal mindset requires that we think right and it takes discipline. Every week it's a battle in my own life to think right. Because there's so many messages bombarding us. Do this. Do that. Here's how you find significance. Here's how you find joy. And I have to think right. I have to come back to the Word. And come back to the Lord. And think right. And think biblical. Why? We live in a dirty world. And it's selling empty dreams. And we need Jesus. Why is it all about Jesus? Well, verses 18 through 21 that we read tell us. The price he paid, not silver or gold, but his precious blood that was shed for us. In fact, did you notice, did you notice that Jesus coming and dying was not plan B? Don't, don't ever think for a moment that God created Adam and Eve and set them there and then was like, oh my goodness, they, they sinned. That, that was not a surprise to the Lord. Look at verse 20, what it says about Jesus. And his precious blood. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. In other words, 
it was always the plan for Jesus to come. God knew before He created us we were going to sin and Jesus was going to come and die in our place. And I don't know about you, but that just does something to me to realize that God in all of His glory and wisdom, even knowing it would cost Him His precious Son and His precious blood, He still made man and woman in His image. And He still let us live because He loves us so much. That's why it's all about Jesus because He's purchased us with His precious blood, not silver or gold, not with corruptible things, but the precious blood of Jesus. Yes, salvation's free, but it was costly. It cost the, the Lord, the Father, His Son, and it cost Jesus everything that He had as He gave His precious blood. And so if we're going to live clean in a dirty world, we've got to think right. We've got to live with eternity in view. We've got to think biblically. But then we also said what? We have to act right. Act right. In other words, behave. What does this look like? How do we know how we're supposed to behave as Christians. Well, we have this book. You might have a copy yourself. It's called the Bible. The Bible is an amazing book, inspired, authoritative, inerrant, God-breathed, perfect. And God in this book reveals Himself and reveals to us and tells us how we're to behave as believers. Some things it's very pointed about. In some areas you say, well, I'm not sure about what it teaches us principles. That can be applied to that. It tells us how to live holy lives. So let me tell you, what, what's entailed in living a holy life? What's entailed in acting right? Well, I see two things mentioned here. Number one, there's this whole idea of obedience. Obedience. Look at verse 14. Verse 14 says, As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust." As in your ignorance. Before we came to know Jesus Christ as Savior, we were lost. And as lost people, we live like lost people. The Bible calls that their ignorance. We're engaged in former lust. If you want to put your finger there and turn to chapter 4, verse 3, it talks about that. In chapter 4, verse 3, it says in chapter 4, verse 3, For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles, we walked in lewdness and lust and drunkenness and revelries and drinking parties and abominable idolatries. Can I just ask you something that really we didn't talk about? Why are we shocked at times that lost people live like lost people? Now, what are we expecting? Lost people live like lost people. And before we were found... We live like lost people as well. You say, well, I never did some of that. Yeah, but you did a lot of their stuff, and so did I. Only by God's grace we aren't worse and didn't do more. That shouldn't shock us that lost people live like lost people. What ought to shock us is when Christians live like lost people. And if we're a Christian, we live like lost people. When we live lives that are not holy. We do sin. We do fail. We do slip up. We do falter. We do fumble. Every one of us. Whether you've been a Christian for a week or 20 years or 50 years. We do sin. We wrestle with sin. We wrestle with temptation. The difference is, beloved, we don't live there. We don't camp out there. 
we stand and the Lord deals with our heart and we confess it and we seek forgiveness and we move on. We don't just live there and just revel in it. That's one of the big differences between a lost person and a saved person. Yes, they both sin, but the saved person is convicted of their sin and the Lord brings us back into a right fellowship with Him. And I've told you before, and I don't want to have anybody doubt their salvation, but if you can live in ongoing sin forever and ever and ever, and it doesn't bother you at all, you better make sure that you truly are a child of God. Now, that's the negative aspect of holiness. Don't live like you used to live. But there's a positive aspect as well. Look at the next, uh, look at verses 15 and 16. But as he who called you is holy... You also be holy in all your conduct because it is written, be holy for I am holy. He's referencing some verses in the book of Leviticus. Be holy as I am holy. Now, you and I look at that and think, wait a minute now. God is the one who's called us. God is holy. And God is saying to us, I want you, us, to be holy like he, God, is holy. And we look at that and say, really? Because we know ourselves, don't we? What's he talking about? There should be a family resemblance. You ever noticed how children look like their parents? Some children look like their parents. I mean, you can look at the child and, and you know, you, you see they look like their parents. What's really scary is when you look at your own kids and you think, they look like I used to look. That's really scary. <laughs> but not only do they look like their parents, a lot of times you watch you're around them enough, what happens? You begin to notice how they act like their parents. And they talk like their parents. And as a parent, when that happens, it's really scary. And when you grow up and you become a parent and you say something your mother or father said to you, it's really scary. I can't believe I said that. Well, that's the idea here. We're children of God. We ought to resemble the Father. Look like the Father, act like the Father. Romans 8.29 says it this way, For whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that is Jesus, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. And so we're to be holy like He's holy. And we've got to be obedient. We've got to live an obedient life if we're going to be holy with the Lord's help. You say, well, I don't understand all the Bible. There's so much I don't understand. Well, listen... If you'll just practice what you do understand, there's enough to keep you busy for a long time. Don't worry about what you don't understand. Just practice what you do understand and you'll be busy. And then the Lord will show you some other things as you go. So act right. It includes obedience, but there's something else the Bible says here. It includes reverence. Look at verse 17. And if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. Let me get to you in the New Living Translation. And remember that your heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of Him during your time here as temporary residence. Reverence. We could also, we could have called it respect. One of the things that we failed at miserably in our day and even in church is having a fear, a reverence, a respect for God. We have become 
too comfortable, too casual, too flippant when it comes to God. We use His name in vain. We use His name without thought. We use His name without weighing out just what we are saying. Beloved, we should have a fear of God. Now, when it comes to having a fear of God, if you're a believer, if you're a child of God, that's not cowering in the corner type of fear. It's a recognition that He is God. It's a reverence. It's a respect. If you're not a child of God, it ought to scare you. Because the Bible says He's a consuming fire and He's a judge. He's going to judge you. But He's going to judge all of us. And we should respect it because He is God. He's holy. He's sovereign. He's the Lord. He's righteous. And we're going to stand before Him and give an account. And so we, we live in a day where talk, people talk about God. Listen, God is not the man upstairs. God is not some heavenly grandpa rocking in a rocking chair, winking at his disobedient children. He's the almighty, everlasting, sovereign, ruler, creator of everyone and everything. We've got to quit being so casual. God is God alone. And one of the ways we live a holy life is to have a holy, reverent fear of God, a respect of God, a recognition that He is God. Go back and read that passage in Isaiah where Isaiah sees the Lord high and lifted up and His train filled the temple. And he said, Woe is, Isaiah says, Woe is me, for I am undone from a man of unclean lips and dwell amongst the people of unclean lips. When you see people before the Lord, they fall down in fear and reverence. And a holy life is characterized by a reverence, a respect for God. Now, we've got to wrap this message up because it's time to go. And I thought, how do I wrap up a message like this? Well, I thought about an old song we used to sing in church. And I thought we ought to do what that song told us to do. The song used to tell us to do, and we sing it out like this, take time to be holy. So here's what I want to do. I want us to take some time in closing today. And consider our holiness. To look at our lives. To invite the Holy Spirit to search us. And try us. To evaluate how we're doing in this. And point out any wicked way in us. So here's what we're going to do in closing. We are going to sing a song in a moment. The altar is open. But here's what we're going to do right now where we are. I'm just going to give you a moment. I want to do it myself. We're just going to bow in prayer. And ask the Lord, if you know the Lord today, ask the Lord to search your heart and see if there is a holiness about your life. See if some things need to go, some things need to adjust. Maybe confession, maybe repentance, whatever it is. But just take a moment where you are, child of God, and just bow with me. Look at your life. Allow Him to look at your life. And do business with the Lord. And then I'll give you a moment to do that. I'm going to be doing that personally. Then I'll pray and then we'll sing.
Now, Lord, in this quiet moment, I pray that you do a work in our hearts. Examine our lives. May we open every door to you and invite you in and allow you to clean up our hearts. We know we cannot do this on our own. We know we must have your power and your spirits working. We know, Lord, that's your desire for us. You're conforming us to the image of your Son. You're working to make us more like Jesus. So, Lord, help us to cooperate. Help us to obey. Help us to think biblically. Help us to reverence you. Help us to behave as believers. Help us to know the true joy that we seek as we seek you. Help us to remove things from our lives that's that's hindering our fellowship with you. Help us to put things in our lives that will help us to be more like Jesus. Thank you that you're so active in our life. Thank you that you care so much for us. Thank you, Lord, as you're reminded today that you created us anyway, knowing we were going to be wicked rebels that would need Jesus. And yet you still gave us life, and then you gave us eternal life through Christ. We love you today, Lord. May we truly always reverence and respect and revere you in this place. May we never take your name casually. May we never take your name in vain. May we exalt you to your rightful place in our lives and in our church. First place, supreme place, place of honor and glory and worship. Father, I pray if anybody here today does not know Christ, would you bring them to Christ right now? And Lord, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 509 is our closing hymn. The altar is open. We'll not have a long invitation today. If you want to come, I invite you to come. My faith looks up to Thee, Thou Lamb of Calvary, Savior divine. Now hear me while I pray. Take all my guilt away. Oh, let me from this day be holy Thine. If you need to be saved today, if you need to come and pray, we invite you to come. 509, let's stand and sing.